This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hour number three coming your way here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack uh, running through another two yet to come. We've had a nice little balance of a couple different sports in the first couple hours. We're going to go very NBA-specific for the next few minutes here because uh, I'm lucky enough to have the voice of the Utah Jazz for the last decade on the radio side. Hop aboard with me, David Locke, play-by-play guy of the uh, Utah Jazz, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. How are you tonight, David? I'm good, Jody. How are you doing? Good. Appreciate you coming on board uh, understand that it's been a tricky last 48 hours for uh, Jazz fans and everyone in Jazz Nation got the very important Game 3 win in their opening round series against the Memphis Grizzlies, but also lost a key member of the Utah Jazz family. Mark Eaton, uh, part of the great Utah teams, Carl Malone and John Stockton that made NBA championship runs over the years, passed away unexpectedly in a biking incident, uh, some details have been released. Some have yet to be released. I uh, don't know if you have any new information on it. This is a, a tragic ending to a gentle giant's life who is a big part of the Utah community. Has, has any new information coming out come out over the last couple of hours? You know, I'll be honest, I don't know um, in the sense I have not looked for it. So um, it's not a, you know. Um, I'm not following it closely. I, I don't think anything has come out. Um, but I, I would be honest with you. That's not, it's not been, uh, you know, the, the end result will stay the same. It's, right. uh, got all of us in a great deal of pain. Um, and you know, uh, I, how it happened, I, I guess we'll have some, you know, relevance somewhere, but right today, it doesn't feel as though that's top of the list. Understood. Um, now, he wasn't an employee of the Jazz, but he stayed close to the organization, decided to stay in Utah when his playing with career was over. And I know that uh, Rudy Gobert uh, sent out messages on social media that uh, he was crushed by the fact that he would lost his mentor, that he had been a guy who had worked with Rudy Gobert, one defensive player of the year to another at the center position in Utah. Um, he, he did stay, uh, as, as close as he did for the organization, despite not being an employee. Do I have that right? So he, he moved up and lived in park city. Um, he kind of always did when his career early on, he rented a house in a place called Jeremy ranch, which is right outside of park city between park city and park cities where Sundance is and all the ski resorts. It's about 35 minutes outside of downtown Salt Lake. Um, so he's always lived up in the mountains here. He was actually a big skier. Um, with, I think ski, you know, somewhere in the range of 80 um, days a year with uh, friends in a group that the, they all went out and skied. He rode his horse a lot and mountain biked a, a great deal. He had really kind of bought into the outdoor life here. Um, grew up in Southern California. For those who don't know the story about big Mark Eaton, who's, you know, the all-time shop block leader in the history of the NBA. 
Um, he was seven foot four or five, depending on what listing. And <laughs> he was literally found while being a mechanic underneath a car while in junior college by a UCLA assistant coach. Um, he played limited to almost none at UCLA. And then um, from there, he, uh, the jazz kind of Frank Layden discovered him and they molded him into a player. And if you look back at any year in which he played 30 minutes a night, the uh, jazz were, you know, one, two or three in defensive ratings. Um, he is, you know, he was a force. And like, if we think about Rudy Gobert, who's, you know, I, I think not only the best defensive player in the world right now, but actually this year may have had one of the single greatest defensive seasons anyone's ever had. Um, he blocked, I think, about 2.6, 2.7 shots. I don't, I don't think that's the greatest metric to judge a season. But for this point, Mark um, blocked five and a half one year. <laughs> uh, and it's it's, it's a unheard crazy of. number. Yeah, and and we were talking last night, like what in you know, if for the in NBA parlance, not to get too geeky here, but there's something called the drop big, which is what most teams play if. You know, if you, um, the, you know, the, the big kind of drops back into the middle of the lane and just denies the rim on the pick and roll, like sure. what possible, what Mark Eaton would have been as a drop big, uh, in, in a pick and roll era is, is a frightening concept. If you are the leader in the history of the NBA in any category, it tells how great a career you did have as uh, did Mark Eaton with your. Utah I would even class. take personal fouls at turnovers because it means you played a hell of a lot of minutes. <laughs> exactly right. Got to be on the floor to accrue those numbers. David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Jazz, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, so the Jazz lose the opener to the Grizzlies. No Donovan Mitchell. He's kind of outspoken after the game that he thought he was ready to go and not happy that they decided to take the cautious route, come back, win the next two with Donovan Mitchell in the lineup. Is all good in that locker room right now? Oh, I think all's good in the locker room. I don't think there was actually ever a problem in the, in the locker room. I mean, Donovan was upset with the medical staff, but I'm not sure that's the locker room. So I think the locker room is fine. Um, And, you know, they played, Last night was a heck of a game. Memphis is really good. I mean, Memphis is – Jaron Jackson came back for the last 11 games of the year, and, and Memphis' starting lineup was plus 19 for 100 possessions. That's one of the better five-man lineups you'll get in all the NBA this year, uh, that starting lineup for Memphis. Uh, they, they've got some – you know, Valanchunas is vastly over underrated, excuse me, um, and then they've just got neat players. I mean, I don't know. I, I'll tell you, Jody, that – one of the things that kind of keeps just striking me during this series is I watch Memphis. And I I think a lot of this is that Taylor Jenkins is one of the great coaches in the league. No one knows about, but we all talk about new Orleans all the time, right? With Zion and Steven, like if if you ask NBA experts to like draft the player, like who's the better players, right? So Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Steven Adams, like JJ Redick was on that team to start the year. Like there's more, we can keep going. Or, John Morant, Jonas Valanciunas, Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton, Grayson Allen. Like, what do you do? Take five Pelicans first? Okay, well, except for Ja. He'd be the only one I'd take a right. little higher. But it could be four out of five. You make a very good point. Right. And yet, which one of those two teams is winning all the time? So it leads me to think that there's something. This is probably deeper than, you know, you probably wanted me to go. But watching the Grizzlies leads me to think there's, there's something going on with that team. We don't understand. And that those of us who really analyze the league 
should be trying to figure out because there's something about who they are, what they do and how they play or, you know, I think it's that Valanciunas is way more, that bigs are still super impactful. Um, the fact that, you know, he's that much of a force on the boards and you have to stay attached to him all the time, but whatever it might be, I think it's a really interesting aspect that of, you know, that there, there's something about this team that's way better than people realize. Let me ask you along those lines. That's so funny that you brought it up because I was going to ask this question anyway, but now if it's perfectly after what you just said, don't understand it. I don't quite get how John Morant is as good as he is because when you look at players with his type of game, ability to make his own shot, get his own shot, get into the lane and the like, He's not tremendously fast. He's fast, but there are guards that are faster than him. He's got a good handle, but he doesn't have an all-time great handle. Yet somehow he got 100 points in the first three games. His first three playoff games, he's only the fourth player in the history of the NBA to get 100 points in his first three games. And I say to myself, how is he doing this? He's good. He's very good. But this is like all-time stuff. What is it that makes John Morant this good this quick? So there's a few things to it, um, one of which, and I think the other part of this, if I could add on to Jody, kind of what's surprising, if you listen to John Moran in past, in past interviews, and actually I'll go to an interview he did on uh, the podcast Up in Smoke, he was asked what players he has kind of watched in his career to try to learn from. They were Jason Kidd and Steve Nash. Like his actual instinct is clearly that of a passer. Like right. he wants to be a ball distributor. That's and if you actually go back to his rookie year at Memphis, like he was doing the eye goggles, not when he hit threes, but every time he dropped off a dime. So like <laughs> that was like his, like his instinct is not to be a guy who scores a hundred points. So how is he doing it? Um, one is I actually think he's quicker than you're giving him credit for. I think he's probably with the ball, one of the five quickest guys in the league. So he's incredible in transition. He's getting three or four buckets a night in transition. Number two, he, he actually is pretty good. He can kind of get wherever he wants to get to on the floor. Like, unless you're going to double team and take the ball out of his hands, he's, he's able to get to where he wants you on the floor. And if you watch him, he's almost always going right to left. He takes almost no shots on the right side of the floor. They're almost all on the left side or straight away. So he's always coming right to left back and then putting up that little mid-range shot or floater um, there. The third one is Valanchunas. Because Valanciunas is such a beast on the boards and so big and so strong, Rudy Gobert has to stay attached to Valanciunas at all times. If you leave Valanciunas, Morant's throwing a lob to him. In game one or two, apologize for not remembering, the key play to me of the game is actually, I think it was game two, is Morant, Rudy comes up and Morant lobs to Valanciunas for a dunk. Valanciunas actually gets a technical on the play for hitting Rudy on the way down. And it opens up the next three or four buckets for Morant because Rudy doesn't want to leave Valanciunas because of that. So right. I think the fact that he is lightning fast and gets three or four transition possessions, he's figured out how to get where he wants to on the floor. And then Valanciunas is so good and so big and so strong. You can't leave him in any way and you can't switch, right? You can't run Mike Conley off of Morant and have Gobert guard him because then Conley has to switch down to Valanciunas and that looks like a high school senior versus a fourth grade. <laughs> We're talking to the play-by-play voice of the Jazz, David Locke, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, about your squad. Uh, last year, they made two big additions, Mike Conley and Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich plays all 72 games this year. He answered the call 
every single night this season, and I think he is the underrated player on the Jazz, and his contributions sometimes fly under the radar. You're there every day. You got a better grasp than I do. Is my statement, uh, does it hold water? I think it does in an offense on the offensive side. I mean, there's a key stretch of the game last night where he scores seven straight points. They tried to hide Grayson Allen on him, and he went and took him into the post for back-to-back jumpers, and then he hit a three. And that was probably as important as any stretch. I mean, when you have Donovan Mitchell and you have Mike Conley in your backcourt, and Donovan's capable of putting up 30 and Mike's going to put up 20, to have that third 20-point-a-game scorer is a pretty big deal. So, yeah, I think so. I mean, he was a stalwart for Indiana when the Jazz signed him. When Donovan was out for the final 16 games of the season or whatever that final number was, apologize if I don't have that exactly right, he averaged 23 points. He shot 48% from the floor and 41% from three did Bogdanovich. So, yes, I think you're. I think it's fair to, to say that the Jazz have a few things people don't quite grasp about them to why they're, you know, have the best record in the NBA. Um, you know, one is Rudy's defense is just way better than anyone realizes. Um, the other, though, is that they have multiple scorers and multiple ball handlers. And so they can run their pick and roll action with just about anyone uh, Bogdanovich is the least good of the group. He'll turn it over a little more than you want, but there aren't a lot of power forwards that actually, you know, can play pick and roll. And so whoever's defending him is probably not used to it. And the fact that Jazz have Ingles and Conley and Mitchell, who can all run the pick and roll. And if you need to run a pin down with Bogdanovich coming off a tight curl, he's pretty apt at it as well. Um, it's what adds to the versatility of the Jazz. Um, there's more to it than that, but I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. Now, I'm on the record as having already picked the Jazz to be in the NBA Finals. Sixers Jazz was my uh, prediction before the uh, playoffs started. So I, if like they the, get... I like the Sixers pick. Their route is just so much easier um, than everybody else's. I think that's a smart yes. pick. Um, uh, I, I do think Brooklyn is unstoppable if they're right. Um, they're just, you know, they just, it's, there's no chance you can stop them from scoring. Um, so I, but I, I think you're right. You're seeing how much easier that route is. And I'm waiting with bated breath to see Embiid against uh, Gobert. That'll be phenomenal in the final if I actually get that one right. Uh, but if they come up short, then everybody can blame me because I put the kibosh on them by picking them. So that's on me. Uh, but I'm going to make you make a tough uh, selection here. Clippers or Mavs? Which did the Jazz match up better against? We talk about the Sixers' potential easy trip to the final. Going to have to get over it in Milwaukee or uh, Brooklyn. But uh, prior to that, they might have it easier than most other teams. Uh, what would be the easier route to the Western Conference Finals for the Jazz if they move past the Grizzlies, Clippers or Mavs? So, I mean, first we got to beat the Grizzlies, so let's make sure that's perfectly clear. That right. There's no disrespect to what Tyler Jenkins and that group has built because I think um, they've shown to be, you know, really terrific. Um, to answer the question, I would have to know the health of Serge Ibaka. Okay. You have to know so the health me, of Luka Dantich, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Luka's going to play tonight, obviously. You know, major guys, but... Serge didn't play at all to close the year. I don't know the exact numbers, but the last 35 games, I think he played all, um, as if he played as many fingers as you have on one hand, but that's more than I think he did. And then the fact that he couldn't go the other night for a back injury. Abaka is the one that I actually think changes who the Clippers are. He moves the basketball, gets them out of their isolation. He stretches the floor because he can shoot the three as their five, and he can switch one through five defensively. 
Their other guy they do that with is Marcus Morris. They're not as good when they do that with Marcus Morris as they are with Serge Ibaka. If they don't have Serge Ibaka, then they're not quite the team I thought they were all season long. Um, you know, I really envision them, you know, I almost thought Nicholas Batum would become their point guard with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, and Serge Ibaka as, as their their team, just this incredible six eight six nine interchangeable position team. And Ty Lue just hasn't run that out there. Um, and then I thought Luke Kennard was really valuable to them, and either his knees are bad or, um, you know, because he moves the ball. I mean, the Clippers' problem is they stop the ball sticks, right? They, they've got a really sticky ball with all those isolation players. And if they're going to play sticky basketball, that actually – and they don't have Serge Ibaka on the floor and they have Zubak, and Rudy's an impact. When Serge Ibaka can stretch it, then they're playing isolation ball and Rudy's kind of in a funky zone where he can't impact it as much. Right. So that's when the Clippers become a really tough matchup. Luka's unguardable, quite simply unguardable. Kristaps Przingis can't guard anyone. So, you know, we live by the pick and roll, and if we can get Kristaps in pick and roll the whole time – then that's a problem for Dallas. Um, so, but Luke is unguardable. So I don't have an answer on, on really who it is um, because of just how, you know, I think if Serge Ibaka is out, it might be the Clippers. Uh, if Serge Ibaka is healthy, then it might be the Mavericks, but there's no good matchup with Luka Doncic on the floor. This is why we get guys like David Locke on. He answered the question in depth without really answering the question. Now, that's a talent right there. Give the man credit, Naomi I'll be Osaka. running for Congress. In <laughs> Naomi Osaka could learn something from David Locke. David, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it greatly. Best of luck to the Jazz. And, oh, if it's the Sixers and the Jazz in the final, no full well, I'm getting you back on again. Well, I, if we're on the, in the finals, other than overworked, I would be more than willing to do so. <laughs> My pleasure. David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Jazz here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Jody Mac, coming back. We'll get the phones reopened. You've got the number, 855-212-4227. Get aboard with me here on CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.